This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we answer your questions with co-host... Justin Ash. Hey, don't forget, you can write in with any of your questions at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You know, we really only read the personal or non-personal, excuse me, the non-personal information in the email. Uh, also, if you phone us, the same thing. Uh, but if you want to have a more personal conversation, you can always sign up for coaching on our at our courses page. That's at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash courses. That's where the scholarships guide is, the career coaching, and all the various technical courses that we're starting to put out there. And don't forget to check out the website in the top right corner. Uh, sometimes we'll have coupons out there so you can save a little bit of money uh, and stuff. Thank you to our listeners for actually uh, listening to the podcast. Anyway, uh, we have with us joining us is Justin Ash. Justin, hey, uh, man, how you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, everything's going really well. Staying busy as usual. So been doing a lot of teaching and uh, doing a lot of GA flying. So was out at CPPP and all that stuff last weekend, doing flying the Cirrus a bit and stuff. So it's oh, been good. Yeah. So, so explain, what is CPPP, by the way? Uh, CPPP is Cirrus's pilot proficiency program. So they, what we do is we go out there and it's just, uh, you get to train with some of their Cirrus platinum instructors. And I go out there just for the opportunity actually, and, um, took on one of their flight lessons and did two of their ground schools. It's just really good information. So I did a three hour flight with one of their platinum instructors and you always learn so much, um, and then they've got the ground schools that are all avionics specific. So you can learn all about new avionics or the avionics in your airplane and uh, just good information. So it's a um, pretty big event. We had Lakeland's the biggest CPPP of the year. Uh, there was 100 plus people there and probably 40 airplanes. So it was wow. a really good time. Yeah. So and you didn't come say hi to me. I'm 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 offended. I'm just kidding, by the way. <laughs> we, we were yeah. both so busy. I know that day. Yeah, it was crazy. We uh, flew in the morning uh, for four hours and then did about five hours of ground schools after that and then drove back to Orlando. So wasn't a whole lot of time in the middle. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure not. And we were we were busy podcasting. Another thing I guess we can announce, uh, uh, you're the proud owner of an airplane, I think, now? Yes, uh, bought a Cessna 152. So I'm happy with that. Going to do some training for a friend of mine in that, do a little of my own flying in there. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a good little airplane and always a fan of the 152. It's fun. You can buzz around, you know, six gallons an hour makes it easy. So cool. Well, we'll have to go out maybe sometime if we can both fit into it. Uh, and, but definitely take a picture. We'd love to share it on the podcast. That's awesome. So congratulations on that, by the way. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, we're actually still in the search for an airplane. I'm between airplanes. As many of you know, it's been five or six years and I'm itching to get a new one. This one I want to do by myself for a little while. But uh, anyway, let's move on with the show. Uh, as far as questions, I know the last show was a, was kind of a little bit of a downer for some, but I hopefully wasn't too negative uh, as far as what's going on in the industry. We're not going to talk much about that, but we're going to get on with the questions here. So here we are. The first question comes in uh, from a reader that says, uh, 
I lost my logbooks 32 years ago when I got laid off from my Part 135 offshore flying job. With no jobs in sight, I started computer programming. I've done okay with that, but now I want to take my experience and become a flight instructor, an airplane, CFI, IIMEI, that type of thing. To the best of my recollection, I had around 2,600 hours. I have a commercial instrument for single-engine fixed-wing land and rotor-wing land. Have a BS from uh, Embry-Riddle and have been through the Army and Navy flight schools. Dropped out of Navy flight school after primary jet training. Life gets in the way sometimes. Uh, contacted uh, his previous service and the, the folks he used to work for to see if he could get the logbook information. So far, no response. And what can I do to show to or demonstrate my experience as a professional pilot other than my flight certificate? Well, the first thing I can say, I'm going to let Justin also talk about this, is this happens every so often where you don't have your hours. Uh, one of the things you can do maybe to track yours, and this is just kind of a try to put it together before you do get all those flight times together is maybe look at the last time you had a medical. A lot of times on the medical, they ask you, you know, how many hours do you have now? That's kind of a start there. Uh, if there's anything anywhere that you have that shows maybe a, a past resume, look in your, your folders, et cetera. And I've done this myself and see if you have some things that can demonstrate how many hours you have. Look towards those while you're waiting for the military or your last job to send you those hours. I know it's going to, it might take you a little while, but it's obviously you have those ratings. Uh, you can tell the people you have a certain number of hours. Um, you can get conditionally hired with not having your logbook, but they're going to want to see some of those logged hours some way, somehow. Some people I know have never had a formal logbook and actually have just printed off everything from the military and kind of given it to the future employer, said, here, here's my logbook. But uh, Justin, I was wondering uh, what your experience has been, and maybe in the training department where you are, uh, if you've seen some of these things happen in the past with people that, that don't have quite the, the set logbook like a normal uh, you know student would have, you know, writing it down, and maybe they've lost it. Well, now nowadays you see a lot of the electronic logbooks. Um, I haven't seen too many issues. Usually once they get to us, they've got the logbooks in hand or they've rebuilt them. Mm-hmm. Somehow if they've lost them previously, they'll say, okay, up until – X year, you know, this is this was my flight time. However, those logbooks were lost. This was verified through X source, and then they'll kind of continue on from there. So I have seen that, and it's not really as long as there's a verifiable source, um, i.e., the military obviously is is no problem at all. And then um, if you have an eighty seven ten or something like that, but uh, yeah, just try to rebuild them the best you can. I tell my students. Until you get somewhere that's logging that you know you can have access to the times and it's pretty um, pretty secure, I tell my students to submit an 8710 once a year because an 8710 is a document you can get from the FA and you can actually send them in Oklahoma City um, a request for a copy of your flight hours and your last 8710 at any time. And that will legally serve as a logbook as well. So I'll tell people, especially now in the age of digital, you know, if something were to happen, your computer crashed or something like that, and you lost everything, I'll, I'll tell people a lot of times, just fill out that 8710 once a year, fill it out real detailed with the hours and submit it to the FAA and they'll log all that stuff. 
You know, I'm glad you said that because one thing that I go over with all my coaching clients is I tell them to go get a copy of your records too. You can do that every so often. Uh, It's really easy to do and there's a website for that and I'll put the link. It's just, actually it's pretty easy. If you just go to fa.gov slash pilots, you'll see all that information under the licenses and certificates. Just tells you how to get a copy of your records and it's really, really simple to do. Uh, That way you can, and that's a great suggestion by the way, you know, I was talking about the medical. That's one way, but this is a much better way. I like I like that idea. Uh, that was terrific. So uh, I might put that in my next hat of tricks there. Usually um, I tell people just kind of make a photocopy of your, your logbook, place it somewhere, uh, put it on the internet, that type of thing. I will say one thing, I switched over doing a manual logbook. I'm not so sure I'm going to keep doing that, to be honest with you. I didn't realize how hard it was to keep up with my flight time. You know, yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, I don't know about this anymore. I, was, I really want to do it, but I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it just for general aviation. Uh, because when you fly 20 hours in a week, it's really hard to put all those flights down. And I, I had I had no idea how much I was really flying until I started actually writing it in my logbook. Um, Justin, do you do that? I don't do the, the handwritten anymore. I, I'm with you. I tried that. And it just got to be too much. I actually use log. Um, I use an electronic logbook, mm-hmm. and it's really easy. What I like about it is it it's right there on my iPad when I fly. So each leg, when I get done, I just pop in the hours, and off it goes. It takes about thirty seconds, and then I go, and it keeps. And then that way, it also keeps everything leg by leg. But um, yeah, that's how I do it. I do it while I'm flying just leg by leg, just enter the time. And if I shot an approach or something like that, and then it's done. So, cause it auto fills a lot of it now. Yeah. It'll, you know, keep track of the airplane and all that stuff. Unless you have to do a plane swap, then I have to reprogram the end number in there, you know? So, you know, another thing too, someone told me the other day, what they do is they ask their employer to print off the records for a year. Sometimes you have to pay for that. If you use a third party software and that's, I just started doing that this year. Uh, started paying for all my flight time uh, to be printed out every year, uh, so I, that might it might be another opportunity for you. But yes, that's one of all those ways are ways you can demonstrate your experience. Uh, in you know they may at some point say, hey, listen, we need to see uh, the rest of your logbooks. You know, there's there's different things you can do legally that that you can say, hey, listen, this is what I this is what I had. This is how many hours I had, and you can you know write that down and and have it certified etc but uh the better way is like you said with the 8710 and get your get your um different records too from the fa because a lot of times that'll be on there so awesome information hopefully you finally get that information and get to move forward i'm glad you're moving back into some flying after quite a few years in the computer field Anyway, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Next question says, I enjoy listening to your podcast and additional insights you provide, even for career pilots. I've been working as a professional pilot since 2002. I took a five-year hiatus and worked in software development and marketing and recently returned to flying in the last year. My message is two topics. Have you considered making a podcast geared towards those pilots looking to come back into the occupation? I'd be happy to share my experience on this. And yes, we'd love to hear that. And, and we do talk about that quite a bit on the show because a lot of people coming back to the pod, back, excuse me, back to the career field, uh, that is 
honestly, about three quarters of my coaching is people coming back into the field after a long hiatus. So I can speak in general uh, about those conversations I've had with all those people and all the different challenges. Uh, so yes, we will definitely put that together. And the second thing is I listened to your podcast today when you had a bit of a difficult question with a listener waiting to find an instructing opportunity that would work around rotating three months of available availability and non-availability. The one job I thought where this could work is uh, flight safety or CAE. Uh, there might also be an option for the listener to get at least a partial help with their flight training costs as well on this route, and that's actually uh, through one of the flight safety pay for uh, higher flight instructors. Uh, he, he goes on again, thanks for the awesome work and what you do. And hey, thanks for that information as far as part-time instructing. Uh, there are some of those out there a lot of times in the simulators, yes, and uh, it all depends on the situation. Like anything else in life, uh, it can be done. It's just that uh, for the most part, they're usually full-time positions uh, with a rotation on and off uh, that's a little bit different. In other words, you're taking a hiatus for a little while and then coming back. Uh, normally, the, what I hear from people is they'll they'll do a rotation where it's a month on and they'll take a you know a little while off and then a month you know those type of things. They also have what's called an adjunct uh, positions at some of the airlines and also at some of these uh, different sim centers. And I think uh, yeah, Justin, you actually you could speak more towards that because you actually were an adjunct. So uh, just refresh us as to how that worked for you and if you've seen this in any other cases. Yeah, the adjunct instructor position was at the airlines, and that was it was a two month rotation. So you did two months in the schoolhouse, and then two months back on the line, two months in the schoolhouse, and so on. And it worked really well. I I enjoyed it. It was a nice rotation. It was a very good blend of flying and schoolhouse. The airline did a good job of taking care of me when I was in the schoolhouse. Um, so I thought it worked out pretty well. Another food for thought would be uh, finding a seasonal. I've worked down in South Florida as a CFI before, and down there, a lot of the training is very seasonal. So in the summertime, the flight schools will, uh, they end up scaling way back, uh, from about the end of May, even through the beginning of September, October, excuse me. So you can sometimes work out deals with them where if you can be there from, say, November through April, something like that, and then take off that middle time of the year, something along those lines. I know one of the schools I worked for would do that. They had a lot of just GA aircraft owner type clients that were snowbirds, and they would leave in the summer, so their business dropped off a fair amount. So they actually liked having one or two instructors that would you know, kind of go find something else to do for six months and then come back. So there's a lot of opportunities, in other words, out there. You just got to keep looking. So uh, I like that. I love the fact that there there are those positions out there. As far as seasonality, uh, normally what ha- it's kind of funny. A lot of times what happens with instructors that kind of move on that aren't making money, and uh, the ones that are that continue out throughout the season, they stay. But uh, the seasonality of the thing kind of works itself out in certain schools where uh, they lose instructors anyway, so they figure they don't have to worry <laughs> as much, and they'll start hiring again because uh, you know they know that when the season starts up again, there's a lot of instructors that will want to come in and start teaching. Well, what's funny with that, and I've heard this at a couple schools where they've brought people on, and knowing that the season was starting and they're going to get a lot of instructing in, then all of a sudden it dropped off and they left. And I, I'm not sure that's a great way to hire people. I, uh, I, I would be very upfront if I was hiring somebody and say, hey, listen, 
our season as such and is going to drop off at the end, do you intend to stay? In your case, or in this person's case, I should say, uh, it would have been best if, if they knew that ahead of time. So, yes, you just have to keep looking around. And uh, honestly, though, there's a lot of opportunities out there for like a part-time instructor, especially if you uh, have a specific type of thing that you have that you can bring to them. Also, you can be a part-time instructor, especially if you bring business. If you bring business, they'll they'll jump on you, that's for sure. Anyway, great question, though. Uh, I like that. And then thanks for the comments. And, and we definitely, I highlighted that. We'll just put a whole podcast together just on, geared on people coming back to the occupation. I've talked about it a lot on this show, but I don't think we've done one specific show on that. I have a lot of good points there, just from all the different coaching we've done. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. Um, it starts with, uh, I applied for a bachelor's in aviation air transport pilot in New Zealand. I was wondering if I can apply for one of the scholarships of the 99s organization to cover part of the course costs. Actually, I'm not able to pay all the tuition fee myself. Or if there are student loans, according to my condition, you may know. Be grateful for the guidance in any way. Yes, there's loans and there's also different opportunities no matter where you are in the world. Uh, 99s is just one organization that's primarily uh, here in the U.S. that we see the scholarships, but they do have international scholarships too. Uh, And by that meaning not non-U.S. because obviously our podcast focus is primarily in the U.S., um, but there's tons of stuff out there. I, and again, most of it's here in the U.S., but uh, you just have to kind of work with some of those like WAI, Women in Aviation International. They they call it that for a reason. Uh, they have different chapters throughout the world, and they work on scholarships throughout the world. So yes, they're out there. As far as paying for your tuition, of course, through the, the uh, actual university, you can speak with them. And if you're not eligible for those, then you have to go out, do the personal loans and that type of thing. As far as in New Zealand, um, they, uh, I don't know specifics there other than you know certain things that uh, I'm not sure it's exact it's not exactly the same as um like in australia but it's very uh, it's somewhat similar from what i've heard uh but uh but anyway if you have that if you have that availability to talk to somebody in women in aviation or the 99s uh, they do have those international organizations so does uh, aircraft owners and pilots association international there's many different organizations out there so just just keep looking hopefully that'll that'll help out there um and justin did you have anything you wanted to add to that no, I'm, um, no, I'm, you're the uh, scholarship expert. I don't know nearly as much about that as you do. So I know there's a lot of opportunities out there though. Just hunt them down. And, um, especially nowadays with the demand for pilots. So, yeah, there's, uh, even when knowing a lot about scholarships, there's so many more out there that we, we don't even know about because there's so many new ones every day. I tell you, here's a cool thing, by the way, just to add to that. We have seen people have had like a million dollars in scholarships throughout their organization. The next year, I'll go to that organization and ask them for some of their scholarships so we can put them in the guide, and they'll say, oh, we're up to $2 million this year. That is so cool that just in that one year time, they've realized that, hey, you know, they've been able to find people that can put scholarships in there. You're actually really, really helping somebody. If you want to make a huge difference in aviation in someone's life, you might want to think about donating maybe next year to a charity that has a scholarship for a specific type of group that you're looking to help. Maybe it's somebody that's in a certain area like New Zealand, et cetera, or try to set up a scholarship along those lines. And if you're that type of person who wants to do that, I would I would highly recommend you know, reaching out to these different organizations and start those scholarships. Uh, you can do a scholarship in your name. They will administer it for you. 
That's the beauty about it. People come to me all the time, ask me how to set up a scholarship. What I do is say, go to these organizations. They have everything nailed down and nailed down. Tight. And that actually helps them too with their organization because they can bring more people in. So, uh, so definitely look towards that. Uh, anyway, next question is uh, comment says, uh, "Hello, Carl, longtime listener, big fan, and first time contacting. Thanks for the advice, effort, and information that you put into your podcast. It's been a huge source of encouragement and motivation. Just one question: I love one day to make a career jump into being a full time commercial pilot. Currently, an engineer with my bachelor's in civil engineering, and slowly pursuing my private pilot license. For a long time now, I've considered pursuing a graduate education." which would definitely now be in something aviation or aeronautics related, but do not know if it's worth the forty to $70,000 it would take to complete it. Can you provide any advice as to the pros and cons related to having a master's degree for someone potentially seeking a, to follow in your footsteps? To give you some background, I'm 35 years old, married, three children, and I'm trying to make the most efficient use of my time in this stage in life. Thanks again for all you do. Well, I appreciate the question. The As far as moving into a career, it depends on what you do. I think you said following my footsteps. That means probably uh, flying as a pilot at, a, at an airline, a major airline, uh, to do that. Um, the, the as far as the master's in concern, yeah, uh, I'd have to say the the most important thing would be to put the money towards your ratings. You don't you're doing your private pilot. That's a lot of money. All that money you just talked about would go towards getting your ratings. You already have the bachelor's, uh, so. Gosh, you know, you really don't need much more than that. What you really need is the flight time, and I think you should concentrate on that. Uh, the bat, the masters. Think about that maybe in the future, maybe when you've actually got your, you have your flying job and all have all those, you know, fifteen to twenty days off, like like Justin and I have. But yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, Justin, what do you think about this person's question? <laughs> um, yeah, when you have, you know, once you get. Five years from now, if you're down the line and you're a little seniority, you'll have plenty of time to do your master's. Um, the uh, yeah, I think the advice is good. The forty to seventy thousand, you know, right now, I don't know, you know, your entire financial situation, but that could definitely go towards the licensing. Could also go towards additional flight time when you were done if, to help you build some hours because you're going to need to hit that, you know, fifteen hundred hour mark. Um, maybe 1250 if you're an accredited 141 school, but the, uh, you got to build those hours and that could go to that. Or even, you know, when you leave your job that first year, most, you may be taking a, um, most likely you'd be taking some sort of pay cut that first year at the airline. So maybe it helps offset some of that cost loss. The master's degree I think is great where the master's degree though is going to help you as far as a pilot is if eventually you want to get into management. You know, if you went to an airline and subsequently thought, okay, I'd like to do, you know, courseware development, or I would like to be an instructor and maybe move into a uh, fleet captain type position, which is the pilot that oversees fleets at different airlines and things like that. They, a lot of times nowadays like to see master's degrees. Um, so as you move up, if you have a management kind of mentality or you think that track would be for you, then the master's degree would definitely be useful as strictly a line pilot. That bachelor's is what you need to anchor. Um, outside of that, it's, you know, um, all you really need, you need the experience. Um, you're better off spending that money, getting the experience, flying, doing some different things. Um, that would be my advice. So with that said, another thing just to, to com add to that comment is, 
you know, we really, to fly an airplane, it's just, all you need is a rating. You don't need to have a bachelor's, et cetera. Let's just look at the rating itself. The requirement to having a bachelor's is placed out there by the employer at the airlines. Uh, you do not need any of that. You have to, you absolutely though, absolutely must have your license to be able to fly an airplane. You can have three PhDs, but no license to fly an airplane. You still can't fly an airplane. So that's where I'd like you, you know, just like he said, concentrate on that and you'll have lots of time to do other things. I mean, look at, look at me. I mean, I, I have, gosh, I think I have like 10 days off right now. I'm really busy and I'm helping out. You know, I do a lot of things with the team and I do a lot of volunteer work, but that's because that's what I want to do. Um, you may want to put your time towards fulfilling that degree, but uh, but going back to the degree thing, I do know people that do this. You mentioned the 1250. Some people will go to a certified training program uh, through the FAA, and those are like an associate's degree, and I'm not sure that's the route you want to go, but they'll wind up getting their associate's or their bachelor's, another one, because of the fact that they get the reduced hours for the ATP. So now they don't need the 1500 if they get their bachelor's in aerospace at a certain school, they only need a thousand. Or if they get their associates, it's twelve fifty. Uh, and and these are all you know accredited one forty one that are associated with a college, uh, or go straight for the fifteen hundred. For you, I think the probably the most efficient would be to just get your hours and you have all the degrees, et cetera, and and pursue possibly the flight instructor certificate because uh, the four year degree, or excuse me, the bachelor's. I shouldn't call it a four year. The bachelor's degree uh, would actually probably take you longer than it would to just go ahead and get the 1500 hours with that said if you are starting out in life i would say definitely look towards those programs and it sounds like you want more of a of a master's anyway from what i'm gleaning from your question here Uh, so if that's what you want to do then uh, if you got your master's say in aerospace it wouldn't really help you as far as getting those reduced atp hours that type of thing but uh but i like i like what you're thinking of and that money depending like you said with the financial situation if that's all the money you have that you want to put towards your education then yeah just get your licenses that's that's for sure well justin i know gosh that's about it for the questions today and this has been been awesome having you on i'd love to uh, since you are in the training department uh love to talk a little bit about what your experience is, not now, obviously, but in the next one of the next episodes, what you see with people that are changing careers. I know you see a lot of them coming through the ranks uh, and and talk a little bit of that in, in a future podcast and also get maybe your ideas. Uh, if you want to comment, you don't have to as far as uh, some of the things I said in the last podcast about some of the challenges uh, with terminations and that type of thing. Hopefully you'd want to do something like that, I'm sure, uh, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, we're seeing a lot of it. I mean, the industry has changed so much with people changing careers and they have, you know, we're seeing a lot of the rotary transition now to fixed wing, seeing a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff there. And I think for, uh, this person, I think just stay on track, get the licenses, Um, a lot, sometimes we want to do everything at once and most important thing is get that commercial nailed down so that you can start building time towards that 1250 to 1500 hours. Remember the airlines, you know, um, 
they they just want hours. You know, they're not they want a bachelor's degree in hours. Really, you know, to piggyback off what you said, Carl, that bachelor's degree, it's there for good reason. They like to see it because they like to see that level of education and and uh, completion, I guess you could say. However, at the end of the day, it's it really boils down to getting the interview is going to be about meeting the minimums. And at a lot of the majors, you know, you need to be upwards of two or three thousand hours. So getting that time and that experience is is definitely in, at the forefront, the most important. Um, and yeah, I would love to talk about all that stuff. I, I see so many interesting people coming through the schoolhouse now, and so many different backgrounds, um, age variants. It's wild. I'll ask the new classes, you know, what's the age? And it, I, I mean, this last couple classes I've seen, I think it went from twenty three to like 57. I mean, it's just everybody from all walks of life. So it's really cool to see. Wow. That's awesome. Actually, you know, that'd be a lot of fun. I'll take what, you know, what I've done with all the coaching and people doing the changing the careers and, and some of the experiences I've had and kind of molded into a discussion with you on what's happening. And we'll, we'll set some good time aside and talk about that. I think that would be so exciting. So I can't wait to do that, Justin. So, but, and I appreciate, by the way, you, you, you helping out with the podcast. This has been awesome. And I think a lot of people are, are really getting a lot of help from, from your advice. So thanks so much, Justin. Oh, no problem. I enjoy it. I really do. So a lot of really good questions and a lot of really cool stuff going on out there. And if you have questions, by the way, again, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You can ask your question. Let us know if this is something we can read or not read on the, on the podcast. If there's something very specific, obviously we can do the coaching. But um, if, if it's something that uh, it's a general question, just ask the question in one sentence. You can give all the details down below. If you notice, we do a lot of summarizing and questions because there's a lot of very personal information out there. Well, one of the things I'd like you to do is go back and, and think about some of these questions. I'm sure some of these hit home for you and, and think how they affect your life. And also, when you're out there moving forward in your career and you're making decisions like this person is about their degree, make sure you consistently ask advice of other people and consistently watch what you're doing. That's what we do in flying. We make a decision. We see what the, happens with that decision. If we need to change path, we change path. If not, we keep going on the same direction. But the most important thing is you have to constantly do something. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to do something today to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.